This is Zombie Chicas Podcast, where two heads are better than one, even if they're undead. My name is Megan. And my name is Marnay. And this is the uh, 20th, 20th episode. 20, number 20. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so with this month we are delving deep into the depths of fear slash phobias. Yes. This one specifically is rational fears. Yes. Which we all have. Yes, and that's rational. <laughs> it's understandable. <laughs> Especially, it all depends also where you live, what your mm. circumstances is. Like exactly history fears of um, genetic oh, history yeah that is experience well. uh, that also creates irrational not irrational rational th- fears mm, mm, yeah mm. okay so will you start us off with some b- bit of psychological theory yes okay so the urban dictionary just to clarify mm-hmm. um that a fear is a reaction about a real threat where we have to protect ourselves, something that we are consciously aware of. Mm. It comes from the human brain and is brought about by genetics. This kind of fear keeps us alert and can be somewhat of a challenge. Yeah. So if we think about fear, um, it's our survival response. It's literally, it is in our DNA. Yeah, it's the fight or flight. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So fear is experienced in our mind, but it triggers a strong physical reaction in your body. When you recognize fear, your amygdala, that's a small organ in the middle of your brain, starts to alert your nervous system, which sets your body's fear response into motion. Stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline are released. Your blood pressure and heart rate would increase, and even your blood flow changes. Your blood actually flows away from your heart into your limbs making it easier for you to start throwing punches or run for your life. Yeah. Which is your fight or flight response. Mm. As some parts of your brain are revving up, others are shutting down. So when the amygdala senses fear, the cerebral cortex, the area of the brain that harnesses reasoning and judgment, becomes impaired. So it becomes difficult to make good decisions or think clearly. I think that's why you can't, you know, can't think of... A solution what, what or to what do. to do. It's like you're yeah. literally standing there, uh, uh, you know. But it's still unclear why we have fears. I mean, it's, it's, it is psychological, but they still can't understand yeah. why. It's so, almost like that survival response where it's the implication that there might be death. Because mm. the survival response is very, very, very deep in yeah. our genetic system. One theory is that humans have a genetic predisposition to fear things that were a threat to our ancestors, like snakes and spiders, heights or water. Yeah. But this is difficult to verify. Throughout human history, certain animals, as described earlier, snakes and spiders have caused numerous deaths. Thus, some researchers believe men and women may have evolved to carry an innate instinct to avoid such creatures, Mm -hmm. as it would deliver a survival advantage. I mean, if you think about it, if you have, let's say, a person... A hominid or homo erectus if you go back that far in, in, in ancestry uh, that picked up a poisonous snake and died and mm. the other person that saw it survived therefore genetic genetic 
mutation happens with the survival. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. There we go. It's, it's also sometimes called primal fear. Others point to evidence that individuals fear certain things because of a previous traumatic experience with them. But that fails to explain the many fears without such origins. But what is the difference between a fear and a phobia? So fear is a common reaction to events or objects, but a fear becomes a phobia when it interferes with your ability to function and maintain a consistent quality of life. Phobias can manifest at any time, but tend to emerge in childhood or adolescence, and symptoms are often lifelong. As many as 9% of Americans annually experience a specific phobia, according to the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, if you must. If you must. And women are twice as likely as men to have a phobia. I couldn't really find out why it is that women have... I also feel like... Um, I wonder if it's it, not a... It might like be a, like a mother motherly instinct. Like I a think so, but I just couldn't find any evidence where it says why women are more it, likely it to It might be, because if you consider prehistorically, the males went out to hunt for mm. days and days and days on end and where the females, the females stayed, at stayed at home and looked for, out after the kids. Mm. So clearly... They sort of shouldn't have a fear because then they won't be able to do mm. their duties, the ma- males, to actually mm. provide food. Mm. So. so it's not uncommon to have multiple phobias. Three quarters of individual diagnosed with a specific phobia have more than one. And it's not, an, it's not impossible to have as something as three, three or four more. So is it, is it basically... the the likeliness of you having a phobia just means that you're more likely to have more because it's you just, already just, have a fear. So no, it's, it's just to say that it's not uncommon, uncommon. To have more than one fear. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Which is understandable. If you think about, like, say you have a fear for boats, then you'll have a fear for fairies, any flotation device, any, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's basically yeah. if there's fears that go coincide yeah. It, yeah yeah but there's a very cool um youtube video that i watched it's called virus called fear so um the link will be in the description go watch it it's actually mm. very informative okay it's very informative psychologist theorizes that our fears change because of industrialization i.e technology true we are therefore more afraid of other people and it's also a social construct. Yeah. Um, fear is also learned, therefore conditioned. Mm-hmm. The fear of them, mm. you know, the fear of a different uh, culture, the fear of a different colored person, um, any of those things, it's a social construct. Yeah. This is actually quite scary, though. There was a test done on a small child named Albert and his white rat. So every time Albert wanted to pet the rat, there was a very loud noise. Where he would startle. Yeah. Afterwards, after a multiple of these incidences where every time Albert wanted to touch the rat, they made this this very loud noise where he actually became afraid of the rat. Okay. So you can actually be learned how, how to, be to be afraid. afraid. Mm-hmm. And this is also how superstitions are born. There's a guy called, a psychologist called Skinner. He used pigeons and created superstitions in pigeons. It's absolutely Amazing. I know about the story of, of, of no such thing as a fish. Because what they do is, it's also, if you think about it, it's a way of positive reinforcement. Yes. In a sense. Yeah. 
But what he did with the pigeons was, is he, um, whenever they did something, let's say they scraped their beak on the ground, like yeah. most of them do, to clean their beaks or to sharpen their beaks, which, whichever reason they use it for, he would feed them. He would feed a pigeon. Oh. So the pigeon realized that so every time he does this, he gets he will food. Get, he gets food. So he tried it with different pigeons with different variations. So let's say the one would say, yeah. and he would feed it. And the pigeon realizes that every, every time it says, it, it, would, it, it would get, get food. food. Hmm. So this is also how superstitions are called. Like, for instance... You were wearing a red shirt while you won a competition. So now, now you, you now you think to yourself, okay, but I need to wear red to be in order to win another event. Yeah, or to be lucky, basically. Exactly. So this is yeah. how superstitions are also yeah. um, how they start. Also, it's a way to cope with anxiety. So if you if we are coming back to the condition, how to condition fear, the fear of rejection can also be seen as irrational. But along the way, someone was rejected. So if we look at Charles Manson, I'm not even going to explain who's Charles Manson because everyone knows who's Charles Manson. He was abandoned by his mother and he spent half of his life in correctional institutions and studied Scientology in prison. So he convinced a group of people to brutally murder a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So if we look at people with you know, with rejection problems, they form a group to get a sense of belonging and enforce this fear of the other. Yeah. Therefore, we can go back that fear is conditioned. Definitely. Mm. But that's the thing is like where the point where your fear is valid, Mm. but what it does to you mentally, that's where it becomes where it goes from rational to irrational. Oh, yes, definitely. Because obviously it's where the way you react and mm. the way it completely dishevels your life. Mm. So if it, if it disrupts your life, mm. that's where the difference becomes. Mm. But let's do some rational fears for today. Mm. So I... What I did was I chose some rational fears and then I'm going to give you statistics on why people have this fear <laughs> because it is self-explanatory if you think about the fear why people have it mm. but i'll just give you statistics and it is not to form this fear in other people i am so sorry if i do that but it's just to actually wrap your mind around why people have mm. this develop ra- this, this fear and mm. have this rational fear even though it's not necessarily, if you think about it, of how big the population of the world is, the chances of something like this happening to you might be low, depending on where you live. Mm. If you're in places where it is a high chance, the chance of you having that fear is very, very higher. Mm. Because circumstances and things like that. So my first one is going to be about elevators. <laughs> so a lot of people have a fear of elevators. And with good reason. I don't like elevators. See, I don't. I don't not like elevators because I don't necessarily like small spaces. But I also get lightheaded from elevators. I don't like the feeling of it. Same. I get you know, lighted. I always try. I I take the stairs. Yeah, I always take the stairs. Like I had this class 
on the fifth floor yeah on this one building i fucking took the stairs every <laughs> single fucking time because i did not want to get into the elevator and also it's because it's like seven or eight people in, in one, a one by uh, one and a half meter by one and a half meter uh square elevator yeah. and that's a lot of people yeah no it definitely is and it's yeah for some reason i get lightheaded and i'm still don't know to this day why i think it's maybe the movement of the mm. just i also because because i suffer from motion sickness it's probably to do with that it's probably to do with that so but my not suffering from motion motion sickness that is weird that you have a, exactly yeah and, and not the thing and the other thing is i've never had an instance that i can recall that i was stuck in an elevator that i fell down an elevator or had any accident in an elevator where i I don't like but do so. you know someone that was stuck in an elevator? No. No. So, weirdly enough, they say that most people, even though in their lifetime they might not have been stuck in an elevator, um, they do know someone mm. or know someone of someone that has. But here's some statistics for you guys. On average, office elevators makes about 400,000 trips per year. Wow. So elevators and escalators in an office building run about 10 hours per day. In offices with five working days per week, elevators operate about 260 working days per year or 2,600 hours per year. If you use an elevator eight times per day in your office and you work 200 days per year, you will take 1,600 trips per year in an elevator. If an installed lift experiences an average of 0.4 man traps per year, the probability of an entrapment during any single trip is then 0.4 divided by 400,000. So it equals to about 0.01% annually. Sure. If you travel 1,600 times up and down to your office in a year, your chance of getting trapped in an elevator is thus 0.16%. 0.16 percent so it's very very low so during a 40 years working career this means roughly a six percent probability of getting into a man trap in an office elevator so in 40 years you only have a six percent chance of being trapped in an elevator which is very very low but if you happen to live in a high-rise apartment building and use the elevator to the apartment elevators your chance of getting trapped may rise to about 12 percent during a 40 years of lift usage so the chance is low but it is never zero mm. <laughs> that's the thing i think that's almost anything about anything yes so i'm gonna give you some can i give you a, statis a statistic mm -hmm. just randomly just randomly your chances of being killed by a rabbit is never zero <laughs> yeah fact of the day fact of the day fact of the day um, so just remember that you can be killed by a rabbit by a rabbit what is that what is that memes always um what it's always like like the, the chance of you getting killed by a cat is low but never zero and then it like <laughs> has like an evil staring cat um, but yeah so this is going to be some cases where people have actually died during a man trap on an elevator. Okay, so on March 1st, 2016, a 43-year-old woman was found starved to death, to death 
inside an elevator at an apartment building in the Chinese city of Xi'an. She was overlooked when maintenance men examined the broken elevator and cut off the power to it. When they returned more than a month later, the woman's body was found. So, and then on the 16th of November in 2018, an elevator plunged 84 floors at the 100-story John Hancock Center in Chicago after two of the cables holding the lift snapped. Oh, but no one was injured or killed. That's scary. Another incident, very scary to think about it. On the 22nd of August 2019, 30-year-old Samuel Weisbrenn was crushed to death at an apartment building in New York City when the elevator which he was trying to exit suddenly descended. Five other people were trapped in the elevator and were later rescued by firefighters. One man had exited the elevator just before it gave way. Shit. That's like insane yeah apparently they do say that when it happens you need to lie down yeah because obviously if you go up in the air it's to save your legs yeah and Mm. then on 14th september 2020 a 38 year old boston university lecturer carrie o'connor was crushed to death at an apartment building in boston when the elevator suddenly descended trapping her in the doorway fuck yeah this is actually a story of a man that was one of the men or one of the people that has been stuck in the elevator for one of the longest durations of someone being stuck in the elevator and then being saved. So on April 21st, 2008, (laughs) the article is, it was the longest cigarette break of Nicholas White's life. (laughs) So the 34-year-old New York production manager was working late one Friday night in October when he went outside for a smoke. Uh, He was returning to his office on the 39th floor when the elevator stopped abruptly between floors. White pressed the alarm, letting it ring and ring, but at 11pm the building was deserted and it would would be nearly two days before White was rescued. He paced around the elevator like a bug trapped in a box, fighting claustrophobia every minute of his 41-hour ordeal, which was captured on a video surveillance camera. After a certain amount of time, I knew I was in big trouble, White told Good Morning America in an exclusive interview. He had no watch, no cell phone, no food or water. His only sustenance was a pack of Rolaids, which is a pack of cigarettes. The most difficult part of the ordeal, he said, was going 41 hours without water. At one point, White thought he might die of dehydration. He relieved himself by opening the elevator doors a bit and urinating down the elevator shaft. I hoped that that might be a signal to people, in fact. Why is the elevator leaking? Cold yet sweating, White laid on the floor trying to stay calm. Then he got up and started pacing. At one point, he pried open the elevator doors and screamed for help. The only response was silence. I had no idea if it was day or night, White said. He rang the emergency bell, but he couldn't take the constant noise, so he occasionally turned it off. Split-screen video footage of the building showed other parts of the building, including three other elevators. The video showed maintenance workers occasionally fixing various things, but no one heard him and no one, and none of them wondered what was going on with car number 30. On Sunday... At 4 p.m., White, who was nearly delirious delirious, (laughs) from thirst, 
heard a voice on the intercom asking if anyone was there. Finally, he was rescued. I can't imagine being trapped in an elevator for two days without mm-hmm. food or water. Yep. At some point, you need to think to yourself, I probably need to drink my own piss. But also, like... It's sterile, it's, but it's, it's not sterile. good It's not good for you, no. Like, you might... You have a... He'll probably get a build-up from salt and uh, other uh, minerals that's yeah. in your urine. Because your urine is waste, literally. Yeah, so... It just... For 41 hours... Mm-mm. That's scary. Yeah. That's enough to give you nightmares. And this is why people have fears for elevators. I do understand that. Yeah. And um, if I created some fears with some people, I'm sorry, I, I take full responsibility. No, same, same, same year. Same year. Absolutely same year. So mine is acrophobia, which is the fear of spiders. Because I have a terrible fear of spiders. Well, no, you have a phobia. <laughs> You have a full-on phobia. It's an, it's po- it's surpassed the point of fear. You know, I actually thought really hard about these because I took the phobia parts because it's also stuff that I can relate with. Again, I mean, I would go into a shed. People that are, have phobias for spiders would ultimately avoid going into sheds or into True spaces, spaces where, where there they might be know. an encounter. I knowingly and idiotically go into those places and just hope the fuck I don't see them because thankfully I have very bad not bad eyesight but at, at least I can't see very far yeah. so if I don't see it I'm fine true okay it's, it's on the brink of a phobia it's it's let's just say it's a big 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 fear let's just say you have saved me multiple times <laughs> multiple multiple times yeah with uh when we used to live together with spiders yeah and thank <laughs> god I can't, I've never experienced, and I want to say it, that would, a very big specimen. Oh, yeah, it's usually very... Just talking about... <laughs> You're just looking around. <laughs> There's nothing in my room, don't worry. I would have, I would have warned you beforehand. Just saying. Oh, but also interesting fact that mm. if you have a fear for something as spiders, you have a tendency to notice them more. Because yeah, because you have that fear and you're exactly. always constantly looking out. So, around the world, there's been an estimate of between 3 and 15% of people have been diagnosed with specific phobias. The diagnosis of a specific phobia requires that the symptoms be present for at least 6 months and cause significant distress or disruption to your life and well-being, like I said before. So, some of the causes that you can get for arachnophobia is evolutionary responses, like we said, ancestral uh, survival techniques, mm-hmm. um, cultural or religious beliefs, like, you know, staying away from spiders yeah. um, or snakes in some cases, um, and family influences. Like, if a parent have a, has a specific phobia, then you will also have it. But no one in my family really has a specific phobia besides me and my brother. Hmm, my that, grandma- is, that is very interesting. My grandmother told me once this harrowing story. And from this day, I can't put my hand in a pocket of potatoes. Oh. Yeah, that story. Yeah. So for those, obviously, who won't know this story. My grandmother told us the story this one time. She had, she stored her vegetables in the old dining room. 
and this one time she went to go fetch potatoes and the pocket of potatoes stood in the like i said the uh, dining room as she placed her hand inside the pocket of potatoes she felt something hairy and took her hand out of said pocket of potatoes and she knocked it over and in her haste she just saw this motherfucking mother of a spider crawling out of the fucking bag so i don't oh i can't mm, i can't so after she told me this story i can't put my hand into something where i can't see, see yeah so that's another fear <laughs> within this fear of spiders oh because I, I honestly can't say when my fear of spiders started. I mean, I grew up on a farm. There you have a shitload of spiders. Yeah. I've never been bitten by one. I've, I have I honestly can't say how... It started. But, but it your is, brother also has a bit really big fear mm, for so spiders. It, it's, so. it's, clearly, it's clearly a... Um, it, it's a genetic thing. Mm. I would never forget it. This one time, Leslie, I thought I saw a spider. And uh, my boyfriend took the so-called spider uh, picked it up with his hand and made as if he threw it on me and I had a full-blown panic attack where I started crying. My dad came out of the bathroom and was like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm just standing there crying, not understanding what the fuck is going on. Oh my goodness. And the only thing it was, it was... Um, oh, it was fluff. It was uh, fluff that literally looked like a, a spider. spider. Yeah. And this one time, again, my stepdad, uh, it was at night, and he called me outside to come look at something. He showed me something, but I couldn't see. As I stood closer, he moved the flashlight so I could see it, and I was pretty much face to face with this, I can only recall it as a brown-yellow spider. What the fuck it was, I can't remember, but it was in the, in the middle of the night as well. And at that moment, uh, a friend, uh, a family friend of ours, just whispered something behind me in my ear. I gave this humongous scream, ran to my room and had my panic attack in the corner, you know, holding my knees and rocking back and forth. Hyperventilating. <laughs> I'm crying. Oh God. Oh, in any case, yeah, so that's my spider stories. I have more, but um, they're mostly embarrassing, so we'll move on. <laughs> Okay, so my second fear is beet, <laughs> uh, bears. Beat the decks. People have fears for bears and um, bear attacks. So these fears are mainly for people that are in a general area of bears, okay. because um, especially like in North America. Mm-hmm. Where they, it is actually common to see bears in certain mm. parts of America, where with us in South Africa that the, we don't have we bears. don't have bears. And the, so, the closest um, thing we have to a bear is a um, is a honey badger. Yeah, but it's it's, it's honey not badgers the, are fucking scary. Yeah, I know, but it's not the same as a bear. It's, but it's the closest. It's thing. the closest thing. Yeah, closest thing uh, we we, we I mean we don't have. Lions roaming the fucking streets. Yeah, like them. like most people think South Africa is. <laughs> no. Did you, wait, did you see that meme? What meme? There was a meme. I can't remember what it was, but it was a photo that was taken 
with literally a lion walking in the street. Like, it looked like it could be in Joburg or someplace. What? And the caption that someone said, please fucking share this to the world that we have wild animals roaming the streets. It was literally in a city. I couldn't see, you couldn't really make out what city it was, but it was absolutely funny. I Actually, I have um, a cousin that um, lives in America and her and her friends actually asked when we were younger if we have a lion as a pet. And um, yeah, no, we do not. I am scared shitless of lions and why the fuck will I have a lion as a pet? Anyway, not the point. So statistics suggest there have been over 180 fatal bear attacks in North America since 1784. While the majority of these fatal attacks have been carried out by wild bears, some are the result of bears held in captivity. Mm. So the oldest person to be attacked and killed by a bear was 93 and the youngest five months old. However, people tend to be about 37.5 years on average. So there are three types of bears that are commonly involved in fatal North American attacks, Mm. which are polar bears, black bears and brown bears. Mm -hmm. They've killed cabin goers, campers and joggers, as well as miners, researchers and children, among others. So fatal polar bear attacks. There have been 11 fatal polar bear attacks in North America. Seven of these attacks were done by wild polar bears, all of which took place in Canada or Alaska. And then Sorry, can I interrupt you there? Mm. Something very interesting that if you are being, not attacked, but you, you see a polar bear approaching. Mm-hmm. So apparently what you should do is, is not turn away and run. Because that's obviously is going to kick in. It's, yeah, it's, it's prey. Yeah. It's um, food. <laughs> exactly, killing instinct. And yeah. that's mainly also one of the things that happens when you approach a bear as well. So what you should do is you should stand still and gradually move backwards. And remove clothes. Wow. A clothing item because it's curious. They are very curious creatures. Oh, so it will actually start smelling the clothing and take attention away from you. Yeah, I think I'll just shit myself and then it can put attention to the pile of shit. (laughs) I think, okay, I'll do that. (laughs) But apparently that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And And if you can't tell the difference between a brown bear or a black bear because both of them are very dark or light. Variants, variants yeah. of fur is you should climb a tree <laughs> and see which one climbs in them. <laughs> because black bears are, they will attack. They won't eat you, but they are herbivores. Yeah. So they are, um, they will attack you if you if you give them reason to. So if anyone notices, I am bear obsessed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of an understatement, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So that's what you're supposed to do. And I know for a fact with bears if it's a brown bear or if a black bear there's also certain things that you need to do obviously not run away because yeah then you won't get far bears are fucking mm. i'm, I'm gonna they... say bears are expensive i mean bears are fast and in short distances really they really fast run you yeah very quickly and the thing is a bear is only going to be they will only attack you on the hind quarters not well on all fours yeah so when they stand up that's, that's when, when you're to, to scarper yeah or do something. Yeah. But apparently what you're supposed to do is in those cases is look big. That's all I can say. Yeah, I'm so I'm sorry with my stature. I don't think I can look big. <laughs> Same here. So um I mean, you're still at least taller than me though. 
But apparently that's what you're supposed to do. I'll, I'll look like a f- midday fucking snack to them. <laughs> oh. God, anyway. Okay, so all the polar bear attacks happened in Canada or Alaska. No one in the continental United States have ever been fatally attacked by a wild polar bear. However, captive polar bears are responsible for four fatal North American de- attacks, which all occurred in eastern U.S. zoos. Sure. Just years apart, the Toledo Zoo in 1972, Baltimore Zoo in 1976, Central Park Zoo in 1982, and Prospect Park Zoo in 1987 were the sites of per- captive polar bear attacks. While 11 total lives lost to polar bears isn't something to sniff at, other types of bear are certainly more dangerous. Black bears, for example, have fatally attacked 82 people in North America. Of the 82 fatal black bear attacks in North America, 66 or just over 80% have been from wild bears. Okay, so if you think the high number of attacks proves dangerous, note that those 66 fatal wild black bear attacks occurred all over North America. Unlike with polar bears, nearly everyone living in the US, Canada and Mexico is susceptible to wild black bear attack. Mm, it's a bigger area as well. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, like polar bears, captive fatal black bear attacks have only occurred in the US and once in Ontario, Canada. Uh, there have been 16 of these fatal attacks most taking place in the northeast like when George Langley and James Virtue were attacked by the black bear they kept in a cage at the gas station in Ellsworth, Maine. Yet even with 82 total fatal attacks black bears are still not the deadliest bear in North America. The number one deadliest bear is to, wa- to watch out for is the brown bear. Brown bears are responsible for 90 fatal bear attacks in North America, 82 of which were done by wild bears, and every single one took place in the west side of the continent, where the most brown bears live. One recent victim of a brown bear attack was Kevin Carmer, who was killed in Montana's Gallatin National Forest in 2010. Carmer was in his tent at Soda Butt Campground when a mother bear attacked and dragged him 25 feet away. Two other campers in separate campsites were also attacked. A teenager was bitten in the leg and a woman was bitten in the arm and leg. However, the eastern side of the continent has seen a brown bear attack, though they were all done by captive bears. Thomas Earl, a 56-year-old zookeeper at the Cleveland Brookside Zoo in Ohio, was mauled by a brown bear when feeding in its it in its pen. So here is some more numbers. Brown bear attacks between on humans between 2000 and 2015 is about 664 worldwide. Sure. So North America is 183, Europe is 291, and the East is 190. East as in Southeast Asia. I'm guessing. Because that's just what they said Does on the have story. a very small bear. Yeah. Um, and it says, when the attacks occurred, half of the people were engaged in leisure, leisure, leisure activities. And the main scenario was an encounter with a female with cubs. 
And there you have it. Mm-hmm. But the, the the big problem with bears and any big um, animal is they are very territorial. Yeah, and it's it's the same with it's the same concept with thinking you can go swim in the ocean and like not get attacked by a shark. Like mm. it's the same with if you're in a wild camping ground where you know there is bears, the chance, and especially because you... Female with cubs. Yeah, and especially your barbecuing food, Mm. their smell of food, Mm. they can... Different smells as well. Exactly. It can their territorial... Instinct. uh, Yeah, definitely. they will attack. So, and especially if it's like a lot of drunk people making noise and... And as soon as they go to sleep, that's when the bears attack because obviously that's when you're your most vulnerable. Mm. And the bears know it because they have that instinct mm. to attack. Mm. So, but yeah. So it's understandable why people have the fear, but also don't be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Good way to like, end, the, end <laughs> that one. Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. Like, at least do your research. Mm. Try and figure out in the areas you go to where... If there, how often there's bear sightings, mm. how long ago there was a bear attack, especially if you go for a weekend camping somewhere, mm. do your research and make sure you have the proper way to put your food away, the proper like equipment to use yeah. and know what to do exactly. when you encounter a bear. And I think most people in America especially do know what to do. But there is probably a lot of people that still don't know what to do. Mm. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, because if you think about it, you're going into his habitat. Exactly. And it's it's like, say someone comes to attack you in your house. You will use a gun or, or you will a, device. You will to... attack back. Mm. Like, it's the same. It's you, They're mm. in your environment being a threat to you mm. and you might not be a threat to the bear but to it's a bear it it, it doesn't know which is animal is a threat or not mm. it's the same concept of like either attack or be attacked so that's yeah. why they do it exactly yeah anyway moving on <laughs> I, I find it i find it weird because i have this love for bears but it's understandable but yeah. again it's people being idiots but but case. no but not just that but you you don't you've you never grew up with no, bear attacks exactly. so exactly or being would, seen people being attacked by yeah, bears you would have felt different mm. if you grew up somewhere where no, you've known people that's been attacked by bears no definitely yeah. absolutely definitely and these, most of these are like mainly not just, it's attacks where someone actually lost limbs and things like that. It's not just deaths. deaths. Yeah. Mm. The, the first part was purely deaths that has occurred. But the second part is like attacks that has happened. But you know what's funny though? What I find is that people don't have a fear of hippos. Because statistically... Uh, more people are being killed by hippos than by sharks yeah, or any other animal. True, but you don't necessarily, depending on where you are, do you, how often do you encounter? There's actually a lot of hippos overseas because there's... Um, the, shit. Yeah, I, I know. Rem- the... I, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a... Um... Zoologist. No, 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 no. I have no idea. He had a... I can't remember where it was. It was probably in Spain somewhere. But it's this um, very odd, it's this big ranch basically with um, a small dam. And this guy was a very famous smuggler in its time. And 
One of the animals that he imported was hippos. So there's this region, I think, in Spain. I'm not sure where it is. But there's literally this region with wild hippos. Because yeah. they obviously um, procreated and created yeah. wild hippos. And they just roam there. Yeah, and the thing is, it's hippos are extremely massive. dangerous. And very territorial, yeah. especially the bulls. Yeah. And they kill you not for food. They kill you because of out of territory. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because their tusks are very sharp. Mm. But in any case, my next one is acrophobia, which is the fear of heights. Because I think a lot of people can relate to that because it's also one of the um, the common ones. Not just the common ones, but it's one of the genetic ones as well. Because it impacts more than six people of the world. Which is small, but if you think about it, it's quite a lot of people. Um, scientists believe that it's a genetic fear, adaption to to an environment which a fall from heights pose a danger. Mm-hmm. Because I know for a fact I am shit scared of yeah, of, of 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 heights. Like I find it sometimes difficult to stand on a chair. Okay, no, I don't have a fear for heights. I just sometimes get the urge to jump. Oh, there's a name for that. Like, I'll stand and, like, look over the edge. I'm like, hmm, I wonder. Huh. But no, I like my life. Name. I'm good. There's a name for that. I can't it's it's such a it. weird feeling. You're like, you, it sort of gives you this feeling of you're so, I don't know, it, it sort of grounds you more because you're like, if I would fall or jump now, like, that's it. Like, mm. I think it's the same as if concept if you're like in an accident or it's sort of you realize you're actually a mortal being <laughs> like yeah exactly I, I know what you mean I know what you yeah. mean yeah mm. you know that's uh, it's also you know it's one of the things that again I can't say mine's a phobia mine's more of a fear yeah because I don't go out of my I won't you know stand by a window like on a second floor oh, yeah. building and think oh god I'm gonna fall you know, there is some... They, you, uh, you you keep your distance. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not like I think to myself, like, on my fourth floor, what's it, floor, flat. I mean, I don't oh, feel... Oh, true. If you stand on your balcony, do you feel like... I'm going to die. No, I don't. No. But if I have to stand on the fucking edge, which I had to once, oh, I almost God. died. <laughs> Just from the fear. Because <laughs> I literally stood with... with the um i wanted to say with the railing oh no and th- that and thing... i had just to like lean over oh. to look at something because that we had wasps that was oh. trying to make a nest in like the railing the inside, inside the, the railing. railing damn so i had to look at where the um Hole. the holes were yeah and i had my phone with me with the flashlight it was it was fucking scary <laughs> it's all i can say that was scary but me being on the balcony that's fine but i've also heard especially um, like some people develop the fear the older they get. Oh yes, yes, yes. I think yes. it's the closer you come to death, the more <laughs> you're like fearing things that might be like, oh okay, yeah, this might be the end. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, because I know my mom has, she didn't have a fear for heights, and now she can barely. She, like, it's almost to the point of a phobia where she'll get, like. So not, she'll get out of that. breath and like you can see there's a panic starting so mm. y- you she'll rather avoid being very high up especially mm. in a 
space where you can actually like look straight down. Mm. Where I'm, I'm, I'm okay with heights. I don't, and I've always thought like I don't necessarily have rational th- fears. I have like that fear instinct when, mm. when because it's survival instinct that kicks mm. in that mm. everyone has, but it's not. I don't obsess over it and mm. I don't think about it all the time. Mm. I am very paranoid though. Mm. So uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like I might be attacked any minute. <laughs> so it's just, is that a fear? I don't know. <laughs> so this one's probably a fear. Probably a fear. Again, but if we go back to what I said, it's because of, you know, industrialization and, 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 and. Yeah, but it's all accumulated these true. weird, irrational fears because well, it's. It's also where we live. It's technically mm. not an irrational fear. Mm. We've had how many break-ins in this area we live in. So mm. it's and the old lady that got brutally beaten up in like not to fall away, not to fall away, like mm. literally down the road from me. So it's mm. things like that that obviously yeah. creates the fear. Mm. But it comes to the point where it might be irrational. Mm. Depends on but how you look it at it. Depends on how you look at it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so my next one is snakes, mm. which is also one of the fears that is probably because of predecessors. And mm. I can't say I'm, I'm scared of snakes. I'm not I'm scared of snakes, but I have the same feeling. Cautious. Yes, I, I, I'm the same with spiders. So I don't have a fear of spiders, but I'm cautious. I'm not going to be stupid and like. If that spider will jump on me, I'll scream like a little girl. Like, <laughs> you know, but I can catch the spider and put it outside. Yeah. Uh, I can't do anything. But I'm, I'm I have realized since I've been aging. <laughs> I've You've been aging? I've been aging. <laughs> um, so I've, since I've gotten older, I felt there's more of a fear. Mm. Like, weirdly enough, there was a spider in our house and I it was next to the fridge and I couldn't open the fridge like I was like um, I don't want to put my hand next to it and but when I was a few years ago even just a few years ago I would have opened that fridge and not felt anything it's just I feel like it sort of progressively gets more but anyway it's not necessarily I'm just cautious same with snakes mm. I love snakes I'm just mm. cautious I'm not gonna be I just don't want to be bitten by a snake you know because you do get where they sometimes uh, nip at you. Yeah, you do. Because it's, uh, it, And it just feels like needles going in your hand if there's no venom. So. Exactly. Ooh, ooh, interesting fact. Mm-hmm. All snakes are venomous. It's just... Some have... Some have... Basically nothing. Yeah. Um, anyway, so... So many facts today. So many facts. The more you know. Mm, fact Friday. <laughs> so... Though the exact nu- exact number of snake bites is unknown, an estimated 5.4 million people are bitten each year with up to 2.7 million in venom- venomings. Which, if people don't know what it means, is just basically y- where you get venom from the snakes and get poisoned mm. and basically need hospital attention. So around 81,000 to 180 38,000 people die each year because of snake bites and around three and around three times as much many amputations and other permanent disabilities are caused by snake bites annually mm, that's the puff adder mm-hmm. and it's other family 
But not just that, it's just the people that don't go. Um, mm. But specifically with the puff adder, if you do not get to a medical facility within a certain amount time of frame. hours, yeah. you will lose the area it was bitten. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, so that's one of the snakes I'm actually quite scared of because it's such a venomous snake. Yeah. Because the thing is, if you step on one and you do not get that medical attention as quickly as possible, I've, I mean, I've seen people lose, like, big pieces of their thighs yeah. and legs, their calves. Oh, next, they, they, don't, they don't even have calves because it literally eats them. It eats the meat. Yeah. It's absolutely horrendous. People that's, you know, left with, you know, fingers amputated because yeah. of, of, of the bite from, the bites uh, from a snake. Mm. But yeah, so bites from by venomous snakes can cause paralysis that may prevent breathing, bleeding disorders that can lead to a fatal hemorrhage, irreversible kidney failure, and tissue damage that can cause permanent disability and limb limb amputation. Mm. So agricultural workers and children are the most affected. And then most of these occur in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. And that's it, where you have the, ven- the venomous snakes. Yeah. In Asia, up to 2 million people are envenomed by snakes each year, while in Africa, there are an estimated 435,000 to 580,000 snake bites annually that need treatment. Envenoming affects women, children and farmers in poor rural communities in low and middle income countries. The highest burden occurs in countries where health systems are weakest and medical resources sparse. Mm. The most stuff that occurs is because of um, people not reporting it in rural areas where you can't necessarily get to a hospital fast enough or get where you won't even be able to get antivenom because antivenom isn't readily available everywhere. It's just certain parts of a country might have antivenom. There's there's an island called Ila da Cuamada Grande, which is known as Snake Island. It's off the coast of Brazil. Which is, you can't really go there because it's literally just full of snakes. Yeah. Uh, Someone wrote a review. Uh, My ex lives there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. But um, yeah, it's, you're not supposed to go there because it's infested with snakes. I've seen videos of the place. It's, It's actually, it's quite scary. Yeah. Literally, snakes... Everywhere. everywhere like snakes on a plane yeah snakes everywhere yeah and so that's that's one fear what which i see as a rational fear to it's have defini- snakes. it's definitely a rational fear yeah. um especially because of where we grew up at grew up as well exactly. we've seen snakes i've seen my grandmother kill a yellow python yeah well i've seen my dad kill how many snakes mm. because um we lived on a farm and they came to eat the chicken eggs and um, mm, yeah same and um i know for a fact um very close to a bit far from where we live um also very city wise the in the specific area where my cousin lived there was a lot of cape cobras mm. like a shitload of cape cobras yeah. and they are very very venomous mm-hmm. and i know this one time we we literally got there it was a saturday morning and um they were all standing outside and we couldn't understand why they were standing outside. Meantime, 
there was a Cape Cobra that got into my my um, cousin's bedroom. Oh my goodness. Yes. And they Damn. couldn't find it. So uh, we, we left. Yeah. And I know this one time we went, us kids um, went on an excursion and multiple times we found like Cape Cobras. Yeah. In that area. Uh, we also, we had a black mamba that went into our um, washing machine. And um, when we tried to get it out, we couldn't find it. Mm. But yeah, I think the, the snakes are so big and so bad that they actually shoot it with a gun. Mm. That's how, like, <laughs> you could actually shoot it with a gun. But the one thing a person should not do is, one, if you see a snake on the road, crossing the road, do not drive over it. Do not stop close to it. Mm. Because it gets into the car. Yeah. Because what happened to my dad's cousin is um, he stopped and the snake got into the car. Shit. And it was one of those very, 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 very large pythons Mm. (laughs) on his farm. And while he was driving, he was checking his feet the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Just to see if if you can spot the snake. But in any case, they eventually extracted the snake dead. They killed it by yeah, shooting it. By shooting it, yeah. Sad, but in any case. So the next one is very close to heart. Um, it's cynophobia, which is the fear of dogs. Now, I don't have a phobia of dogs. I'm just scared of big dogs. Um, it's often associated with a specific personal experience, such as being bitten by a dog as a child. Mm. Such events can be quite traumatic and can... Uh, last up until adulthood adulthood person with sinophobia will avoid areas where they where they have dogs which i don't do i mean i love dogs i'm just very i'm cautious, cautious with, with big dogs with, with big dogs yeah, because I've, I've also been bitten so obviously mm. so it's it's also a very very rational fear because it's something that happened to yeah you. um and Again, I mean, I absolutely love dogs. It's just the bigger they are, the more cautious yeah, I am. Definitely. We had a big dog and I was still cautious around mm. our dog. Because exactly. the thing is, you never know when a dog can mm. snap. It's still a wild, it's still an animal. It's Even a domesticated animal, a but it's, years, but it, yeah. it's still, something can trigger it. Mm. And then, yeah. But um, that's one, th- I don't know, I wouldn't say it's a fear of mine. It's also, like, I'm just very cautious. But uh, especially if I'm, like, at someone's house that I don't really know and they have a big dog and the dog jumps on me, mm. that then I'm, like, I, I, I get a bit frightened, anxious. Yeah. No, same. We, we were at someone's house and they had this massive dog. Um, what was his name again? Brutus. Yes, Brutus. He's, he was literally a mix between a Great Dane and fucking I don't know what. But there was this massive dog. And he licked my ears the whole time. And I just, I, I just couldn't. I literally, I just couldn't. I just, just sat there yeah. with like my arms over my head. And the more I sat there, the more he wanted he to wanted, lick my ears. Yeah. I couldn't. Yeah, and the thing is, if you see someone is uncomfortable with your dog, just like at least tell your dog, no. No shame. We were... Uh, the people we visited they were house sitting uh, and they found it quite funny though to see me yeah but still shivering in the corner with this massive dog you can see you were uncomfortable it's not that you're just like joking about it 
Anyway, some people fucking assholes. Anyway, (laughs) so um, my next one is, um, well, water, the fear of water, but not necessarily the fear of water. It's the fear of drowning. Mm. So in 2019, an estimated 236,000 people died from drowning, making drowning a major public health problem worldwide. In 2019, injuries accounted for almost 8% of total global mortality. Drowning is the third leading cause of unintentional injury death, accounting for 7% of all injury-related deaths. Mm. And then... um, Uh, One of the reasons also why it's such a... um, high risk as far as because you know people go swim in the sea exactly and they get swept away they, the, they the don't realize how strong it is mm-hmm. yeah so the global global burden and death from drowning is found in all economies and regions however low and middle income countries account for over 90 percent of unintentional drowning deaths drowning death rates are highest in the World Health Organization Western Pacific region and are 27 to 32 times higher than those seen in the United Kingdom or Germany, respectively. Despite limited data, several studies reveal information on the cost impact of drowning. In the United States of America, 45% of drowning deaths are among the most economically active segments of the population. Coastal drowning in the United States alone accounts for $237 million each year in direct and indirect costs. Jesus. In Australia and Canada, the total annual cost of drowning injury is $85.5 million and $173 million, respectively. There is a wide range of uncertainty around the estimates of global drowning deaths. Official data categorization methods for drowning exclude intentional drowning deaths, suicide or homicide, mm. and drowning deaths caused by flood disasters and water transport incidents. Uh, data from high-income countries suggests that these category- categorization methods result in significant underrepresentation of the full drowning toll by up to 50% in some high-income countries. Non-fatal drowning statistics in many countries are not readily available or are unreliable. And then the global report on drowning, which was in 2014, shows that age is one of the major risk factors for drowning. This relationship is often associated with a lapse in supervision. Mm. Supervision. Globally, the highest drowning rates are among children 1 to 4 years, followed by children 5 to 9 years, and children aged 5 to 14 years die more frequently from drowning than other, any other cause. And then, actually, males are especially at risk of drowning, with twice the overall mortality rate of females. They are more likely to be hospitalized than females for non-fatal drowning. Studies suggest that the higher drowning rates among males are due to increased exposure to water and riskier behavior such as swimming alone, drinking alcohol before swimming alone, Mm. and boating. And And fishing as well. Yes, fishing as well. 
And then increased access to water is another risk factor, factor for drowning. So individuals with occupations such as commercial fishing mm. or fishing for substance, using small boats in low-income countries are more prone to drowning. Children who live near open water sources such as ditches, ponds, irrigation mm. channels and pools are especially at risk. Oh, yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I can recall a good couple of years ago where I fell in a very high rising river and I was alone. I Damn. was fishing and I, the thing is, I have a major fear of water. Yeah. Um, we will talk about that in the next episode. But what happened was I was fishing alone. We had a good couple of days where we had a lot of rain. So the rain came down the mountains and it flooded the river. Mm. And I lost my footing on the rocks that I was standing on. And I fell in the river. Luckily enough, I was very close to the rocks. So I could climb out before the um, river took you, the stream took you. Before the stream could took me. Because literally... A few days before that, they found the body of a of a girl and a, a woman. So it was a mother and daughter they found at the end of the river. Not the end of the river, but, but one of the uh, river beds. Yeah. Because they fell in the river. So yeah. I was one of the lucky ones. Mm-hmm. I remember, I can recall, just after it happened, I literally took all my shit, uh, my fishing gear, and I went home. And my mom still asked me, why are you so wet? And yeah. I told her I fell in the river. And she freaked out. No, it's... It's, and it happens so quickly. And it happens so, very mm-hmm. quickly because all I did was I literally shifted my foot. And as I shifted my foot, I lost balance and yeah. I fell in. And the, the thing is, there's so many things that could instantly... And like I said, like, I was alone. No yeah. one could have heard me. No yeah. one could have seen me because there's a lot of... Um, not debris, but there's a lot of reeds. Yeah, that so you can't really clothed, see. That's, that's, mm. So you're very closed off as well. And it was on a Saturday. So it's quiet as well. Yeah. There's no one on the farm. No one is working on the farm on that time. I mean, it's a harrowing thought. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, it happens so quickly. It's, it's so, mm-hmm. so, so quickly. But there's also flood disasters. So mm. drowning accounts for 75% of deaths in flood disasters. Flood disasters are becoming both more frequent as well as more severe and this trend is expected to continue as part of the climate of climate change. Drowning risks increase, uh, increase with floods, particularly in low and middle income countries where people live in flood prone areas and the ability to warn, evacuate and protect communities from floods is weak or only just developing. Mm. So it's the same with um, this river close to where I live. Every year, there's at least one or two people drowning in the river because when we get really, really uh, major rains, this river is so fast and so unpredictable and mm. people forget that how strong the current actually can Not get. Not just that, I mean, how deep it can be. Yes, definitely. Because the water is very dark, so you can't estimate you how, can't, deep, how, it how deep it is. And if you think about how high it rises, mm. it must actually be really deep. Exactly. Yeah. Because if I recall, you know, the river where I fell in, I mean, when I fell in, I couldn't even, with my feet, touch the touch any, form, any form of ground. Damn. And you forget how deep a river could be because you think to yourself, oh, it's, it's a it's river. A river. It's, it's a river. Yeah. Because I've been on that river with a little stupid, I want to say, not even a rubber duck. It's like this small little fucking boat. Mm-hmm. I sat in that boat with my father and my brother. We we were so 
sort of squeezed in and we were on that river it was in the summertime but but you know when i fell in the river it was in wintertime where they had their rains so it's just so difficult to imagine that, being being in that river and falling into the river and not feeling anything i had to claw myself yeah to drag myself out of the river like i had my fishing rod in my hand <laughs> With all things that happened, I still had the fishing <laughs> rod in my hand. Oh God! But yeah, it was. It's it's a hurrying thing. But I mean, um, my sister almost drowned. I, I can't remember how old she was, but she is in that one to four age spectrum. Yeah. And I recall my mom telling me because I was at school that she was busy in the garden and she just heard, as she described it, a plop sound. Yeah. Because what happened was my sister was playing uh, close to the, the pool and my mom didn't look at the pool for two minutes. And then? And then she reached because her ball or her toy fell in the water and she grabbed for the toy mm-hmm. and she fell in. Luckily, my mom realized before it was too late because that's, that's what happens. Yeah. You, you look away for two minutes mm-hmm. and if you look again, your child is dead. And um, My dad almost drowned as a child in the pool as well. Mm-hmm. And... They were sick. He was seconds away from like mm. not being able to be. There was this horrible. It's it's horrible. There was this horrible story I can remember in my old school before um before we moved um to the school that I graduated from or finished school mm. from. I I can still remember there was this um they had a very massive meeting this Monday morning and where they told the school that this guy was about sixteen or seventeen. It was in summertime. Yeah. His mom came home after work and found her boy um, floating. So what happened was he dived in and didn't calculate correctly, broke his neck and he drowned. But we had a a friend that broke a neck from, but luckily she survived. survived. Yeah. And could have easily been... One of those people. Yep. Because she dived, she dived in a, uh, into a dark swimming pool. Yeah. He dove into a, daylight swimming pool yeah. just imagine coming home and finding your your child floating oh it must be horrible but yeah that was that was a good couple of years ago that happened with that yeah morbid moving along um so the next one i have here is astrophobia which is the fear of lightning and thunder or the phobia of lightning and thunder which i do have it's it's you know during a thunder a thunder and lightning storm where people will go to great lengths to make shelter or hide in bed under the covers or in closets. That's me. I draw all the curtains and I make sure I don't look at it. But it's because I never grew up with thunderstorms. That's that's what I just want to say. Weirdly enough, I feel like it's because in Cape Town, there is thunderstorms, but very, very, very very rarely. Exactly, very rarely. a lot of up. a lot of people I know, mm. my friends from Cape Town, are scared of thunder because they're not used to it. Mm. Where I grew up was listening and looking at the thunder and like mm. I was playing outside while it was st- storming mm. and but that's just because I was used to it. Yeah, and also I I, I actually want to say this one is a social social construct. I think I was made to believe to be scared of it. Because I grew up with a very superstitious family. So oh. when there was a thunderstorm, we had to close everything, you know, okay. unplug the TV, uh, you know, throw, oh. throw, throw like a, 
a, a blanket over the TV, so if the TV explodes, yeah. you know, it's, it's not shattered everywhere, and so, you know, you close, you, you close, close your, everything. you close your mirrors, and like, exactly, like, I grew semi up with that as well, but because it was out of experience, that's why mm. they did it, with, in where I grew up, because the thunderstorms got so bad, mm. and we've had a TV blown, or a computer mm. blown, or it has happened, mm. so, like, <laughs> my brother was busy washing the dishes and he could literally out of the window see a thunderbolt strike the ground in our backyard Mm. so (laughs) like it was a normal thing so uh, but even though all that i still don't have the fear for it it's it's you know it's something either it's just you either have it or you don't have it but i'm absolutely terrified of thunder and lightning and it's very very frightening (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, but it's also because here in Cape Town we hardly ever, mm-hmm. hardly, 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 hardly ever have thunder and lightning. It's because we have winter rainfalls and it's yeah, cold. and you it's don't cold. Have, we don't have um, um, we don't have warm weather. Yeah, during well, we don't have rain during warm weather. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, exactly. But in case, yeah, and also um, if I've experience sometimes when there is thunderstorms it's like in the middle of the night so most people are sleeping no uh, like you you awake <laughs> i mean you are awake but other people are not so they don't Terrified really underneath my covers. <laughs> yeah i weirdly enough i sleep more comfortably I when a lot i of people like the yeah. sound of thunder and lightning i just i do can't sometimes put like a compilation on for like rain and thunder noise i like ocean sounds that's fun yeah, but you grew up next to the ocean, well, like, with the ocean, where I grew up close to the ocean, but I've only saw the ocean, like, maybe once a month, because mm. it was still a half an hour drive away. Because B is actually quite big as well. Yeah. No, but I live and in a... I live, yes, but I mean, the area... The, the area, the, yeah, so we had to drive a half an hour to 40 minutes to actually go mm. to the beach, so it was, like, it was, like, a weekend outing, mm. so I think that's why... like the sometimes the ocean annoys me like the noise especially where we lived it could get so loud at night sometimes Mm. really loud Mm. and that annoyed me no i liked it i just couldn't hear on my side of the (laughs) of the of the house Uh. yeah well especially because i sleep with my windows open so obviously Mm. and even with my windows open i couldn't hear it yeah Okay, so my next one is walking alone, the fear of walking alone, which is also a very reasonable thing, especially with today's world and um, Mm. especially in our country or Mm. even America, um, where you hear all these stories of women, men being followed at night, Mm -hmm. scary stuff. Yeah, because a friend of ours, um, I mean, I shudder to think how I walked home alone like i have no idea how you did it i still don't don't know my dad said i have um what you call it um mainly stupidity but um what's what's this what's the term he used he used a specific term but in any case stupidity where someone would even come up to me and say give me your money and i would say no, no. you and would do away. you would do that that's the problem that's what made it more scary to think of you walking around at in fucking three, o- three o'clock four o'clock in the morning but i mean most of the times i had someone some people walking with me yeah, but, but not all of the time a lot of the times i walked alone yeah uh, after um i worked as a waitress and i would walk home afterwards 
But, I mean, I always carry a knife on me. Yeah, but in that... And firstly, your knife is so fucking tiny, you pierce his ears for him. <laughs> it's a knife nonetheless. <laughs> it's a little pokey thing that's not a knife. But what happened to a friend of ours um, back then is he walked um, to the shops and it was literally in the middle of the day and he was stabbed in the arm. Mm. Now, it is, the thing is, it's so... It's so e- not just evenings. It's like during, in, the during the day. It's such a prominent thing. We've had so many muggings with um, people in my neighborhood that walked to the shops and then mm. they got mugged. So the Gallup's annual crime survey conducted in twenty fourteen found that thirty seven percent of the U of U S adults say they would not feel safe walking alone near their home at night by gender. 45% of women said they do not feel safe walking alone at night compared to 27% of men. Mm. So globally, YouGov conducted the largest study about harassment on public transportation to date in 2014. They polled people in 16 major cities worldwide and then ranked the transit system from safest to least safe. As far as experiences of verbal harassment go, the top five worst cities were Mexico City, Delhi, Bogota, Lima, Jakarta, while the top five worst cities for physical harassment were Mexico City, Bogota, uh, Lima, Tokyo and Delhi. Tokyo? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. The, but it's same with the like um, some Korean and Japanese. They literally, I've heard way too many stories where the men follow the females home, and before they close their door, they'll stick something in between the door so the door doesn't close fully. Mm. So they'll literally follow the person, ho- the woman home, mm. and then. Um, but I mean, I've heard I've heard stories about where um, it's not not being any um, saying anything rude about the the. Japanese but where they would basically harass Westerners Westerner women especially blonde women um I've heard stories of that as well um especially older Japanese Mm. so it's usually older Japanese women older Japanese men would actually harass a Western woman on the trains and Mm. things like that basically it's xenophobia this is what it is it's Mm. yeah Okay, so the following is some of the research that has been done in certain countries. So in Afghanistan, Women and Children Legal Legal Research Foundation conducted research in October 2015 with 364 women and girls about sexual harassment in public spaces, workplaces and educational institutes in seven provinces of Afghanistan. 93% said they were harassed in public spaces, 87% said workplaces and 89% said educational institutes. Additionally, 90% had observed sexual harassment in public places, 79% in educational spaces, settings and 72% in workplaces. So in Argentina, uh, in a survey of Argentine women conducted by Inter-American Open University in 2014, 72% said they had recently been catcalled. Nearly two-thirds said the advances made them feel uncomfortable or worse. Catcalling is... Okay, it's, I, it's, it's bad, but it's not sexual harassment. It's not physical harassment. Uh, some people see it as harassment. So there is catcalling in South Africa, mm. but not to the extent compared to other countries. 
in other countries it is extreme like it is i've experienced it is really really uncomfortable mm. they do harass you till you give them attention mm. um so in that aspect i would say it's harassing in south africa they'll just call and then leave you're more supposed and then, yeah, and then they leave you so mm. i it, i wouldn't consider it as severe harassment like in other countries mm. so in buenos Aires in argentina the movement of women of the motherland of latin american released a study in april 2016 revealing that a hundred percent of women in the city of buenos Aires have experienced street harassment half of the participants faced sexually explicit comments 59 percent reported obscene gestures 47 percent had been followed by a man and 37 reported reported having a man's genitalia exposed to them and then australia research by the australian institute in 2015 of 1426 females found that 87 percent were verbally or physically attacked while walking down the street 40 percent of women feel unsafe in their own neighborhoods at night in addition to verbal harassment physical street harassment was also a relatively commonplace occurrence with 65 percent of women experiencing physically threatening harassment Hmm. and then in the usa in june 2014 ssh commissioned a 2000 person national survey in the usa with surveying firm gfk the survey found that 65 percent of all women had experienced street harassment among all women 23 percent had been sexually touched 20 percent had been followed and 9% had been forced to do something sexual. Among men, 25% had been street harassed, and then a higher percentage of LGBT-identified men than heterosexual men reported this. And the most common form of harassment was homophobic or transphobic slurs, which was 9%. Mm. Can't believe people... So that's the reason why people are afraid to walk mm. alone. Mm, no, definitely. I can I can mm. definitely understand I've, that. I mean, I know. why do people have to catcall and have to take it further? Exactly. I mean, just fucking, just go fuck yourself. And the thing is, I've always felt uncomfortable walking alone anyway, because it just, you do get looks, you do mm. get the occasional catcall. But I have a theory. See, mm. I spend a lot of times on the street, as you know, with my art where I photograph people on the street. I was in busy areas, but it's also busy areas where people got mugged and stuff like that. And mm. what I did was to sort of blend in was to basically look like a hobo, meaning not wearing any decent uh, clothes, yeah. tend to, you know, stick to, I want to say, to more masculine masculine wear or masculine not not just masculine wear but just you know just literally wearing shitty clothes the most unappealing thing ever exactly because one of the reasons why i did it is because i can blend in yeah i didn't want people to notice me while i was photographing them because i wanted to see people in that instances where you don't think someone sees you but they do yeah and that's one of the things that i did and no one really noticed me if ever i did have let's say just a better pair of jeans on with a t-shirt and something people do notice you yeah but weirdly enough they actually did research in america where they saw that the men catcalling the females was purely because they were female not because what they were wearing not 
because they, the men found them attractive. Really? It was literally just because they felt they had, they had to. They had to and the power they get from. That's very interesting because mm-hmm. I never experienced that with all my but, walks. I had... But uh, uh, um, see, and especially like big cities in America, like New York, those mm. things, they did experiment and it was purely because... They were female. They were female. Not because they were sexually attracted to the female, not because of that's what the female was wearing. That's actually very interesting because I never mm-hmm. had that instance where anyone paid me any attention but that's the thing in South Africa cat calling is not so big mm. you get it's more a group of people it's more group of people it's but not a single person. it's not a single person and also you would get I wouldn't say harassed but you someone will come to you and ask you for money and mm. talk to you about things like that but it wouldn't necessarily be mm. because you're a female and they mm. want your attention mm. You do get some people that do catcall in South Africa, mm. but it's not a norm. It's not a mm. everyday thing. Mm. If I would look at the amount of times I've been out in the ne- in the last month or so, and I've never been catcalled once. Mm. So especially if I go out at clothing, yeah, mm. and even if I go out at night and I have maybe a dress on or something, I wouldn't get catcalled. But mm. it, it, but that's not it's not a thing in South Africa. It's mm. I, I felt like I was more catcalled in other countries than I was in South Africa because I think it's more thing in other countries probably a culture thing it might be a culture thing hard to say I mean like we do get looks in South Africa that's a thing that does happen especially if you're in a dodgy neighborhood you'll get Mm. looks but not necessarily Mm. it's it's definitely a difficult topic to um, discuss with I want to say with the limits to Cape Town yeah Definitely, because, because we, if you're in we, town, it's more often. It's more often, hundred percent, and we're not close enough to Cape Town to. I have experienced it more in the Cape Town, Cape town itself mm. than I have where in we live area. in our area, mm. which is true. Mm. So nights out in Cape Town, I, it not was a lot more during the broad daylight. Yeah, true during broad daylight, but I've never been in Cape Town enough during the day mm. so but you still get odd looks and like mm. sort of that what you fucking staring at look you know yeah. the, those type of looks mm. um but yeah so but places like los angeles and new york mm. especially in america new york they actually did the study where they took someone that was more dressed with tight pants and mm. tight shirt they did get a lot of catcalls but they did the same with the normal female dressed for work appropriately nothing tightly fitted and someone looking like a hobo i don't think they did that i think they should try that they should do that try someone looking like a hobo because that's what i did i literally yeah it was fucking shit it was purely the male Mm. getting that power from Mm. catcalling rather than actually it being a female Mm. Mm. but okay moving on to the last one or my last one it is trypanophobia trypanophobia which is the fear of injections so i don't have the phobia i just have the fear of it um so estimates suggest that as many as 20 to 30 percent of adults are affected by this phobia people tend to avoid medical treatments and doctors which tend to lead to conditions that are not treated which is actually quite bad yeah because i have this (laughs) irrational fear of Megan knows this that you know I I step into a glass and Megan would say oh no Monet we need to go to the doctor you need to get stitches 
I have this blinding fear, irrational fear of this. But I am afraid of needles. But, to say the least, I am a regular blood donor. Yeah, so for me, that is so weird that you'll be able, that you can handle that. And not just the fear for needles, you're fearful blood as well. Yeah, yeah, I have a fear so, of blood as well. It's just, I don't look at it. I don't look when they put the needle in. I, I did once, not when they put the needle in, when the needle was already in. I thought to myself, listen here, um, you're here now. Just just take come over your fear. Get over your fear. Get over your fear. Get over it, bitch. Just look at it. It's not that bad. I looked at it and I almost passed out. <laughs> so I don't look at it anymore. But does the, like, the pain... Not it's not. It's not pain. It's not sore. I mean, it feels like literally someone is giving you a pinch on your arm. Well, I know how I've had my blood drawn and things mm. like that, so I know how it feels. But I mean, isn't it? Is it just the 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 idea of that thing sticking into yeah. you? Yeah. So I I was a very weird kid. I'm still <laughs> very weird. So I used to take a needle with thread, mm. and I would put it between all my fingers. Oh. So yeah. I would literally st- stick it through the skin. Stitch your fingers. Stitch my fingers through all the top layers Jesus of my Megan. skin. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. Jesus, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't I, know why I did that. It's not painful because obviously it's the top layers of your skin. So you yeah. don't really feel it. But I don't know why I did that. I found it so fascinating. I, no, yeah, no, I just, no, no, no. <laughs> maybe I should, should tell people no, no. the extent of my weirdness because oh. it might, um, well, you're already in my life. There's no way, there's no way getting out. So, you know, you know my weirdness. Yes, I do. Um, it's just, it's just weird thinking about needles. I mean, I'm absolutely terrified of needles. Um, like I said, it's not a phobia. It's, it's a fear. But I mean, I recall one time I was quite young. It was way before I started donating blood. I had to go to the doctor. I was terribly ill. I had this massive, horrible gastro infection. And the only thing, the doctor said he needs to give me an injection so I can, in order for me to keep anything down because I couldn't keep anything down. Yeah. And I started crying. I don't cry a lot. I mean, it sounds like I'm this bitch that cries a lot. I don't cry. <laughs> but I cried in the office and I said, please, can't you give me anything except the injection? He's like, just, he literally told me, fucking shut up. <laughs> Literally, the doctor told me, fucking shut up, turn over. And it was quite painful. It burned. But uh, I, I, I survived. You, you survived. You survived. I survived. I think the only thing that doesn't make me feel good or feeling all right, you know, with needles, you know, a very, very fucking thick needle in your arm while donating blood, it's because it's for a good cause. It's for a good cause. I think, so that, I think that's the only that, thing that, that sort of makes me cope with it. Yeah, that say, overweighs mm, the When fear. they prick your finger to test your, your iron, that's more sore than, than the, having yeah. them stick the needle in your arm. But I have to say this one time, the last time I donated, I almost passed out because um, the, the two nurses were talking and the one that was taking out the needle, what they normally do is, those people that don't know, they normally just put a, a piece of cotton bud underneath it and they um, they press very hard on your arm so, yeah. that, you know, the, the, the wound the closes. Bu- yeah. The wound closes. And they normally ask you, okay, just make a quick fist for us and that's where they see you know, if it's going to stop. And I know I don't look at it. I don't look at my arm or anything of that, that whole process. I'm just, you know, singing, you know some sort of song in my head just to cope with it while they were talking the nurse said very softly she's still bleeding i'm like "Mm, mm, 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 mm." no no 
no, 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 no. I can't, I can't, I can't deal. No, I, I'm, I'm weird. I used to prick myself with the needle just to feel how it feels. Because I would, I don't know. I'm a weird child. <laughs> <laughs> I was a weird child and I'm a weird adult. It's, there's no, yeah. No, I used to prick myself with the needle. Now I wouldn't be able to do it because I, I know, it's not the fear, it's just the, the, no, maybe I would be able to do it. I don't know. <laughs> I yeah, I used to prick myself with a needle just to feel how it feels. Mm. I don't know. Clearly, there was something <laughs> wrong with me. There's still there a lot wrong with me. But with. <laughs> uh, weirdly enough, I did. I just entertained myself with other things. Needles. Yeah, needles. <laughs> no, I literally used to do. I I don't know why. Sorry if you can hear the rain in the background. It literally went louder when I said that. <laughs> but um, any case, this is um, that was this was the rational fear. So next week we will discuss irrational fears. Yes. Uh, which will be very interesting because I actually have a shitload of those. Um, which will be funny. Mm. Funny. Diving deep into <laughs> diving deep into that. Mm. And um, also, check out if you want to become a Patreon because we will be, be submitting the very, 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 very first, already it, by now, uh, already, 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 it would already be by re- now. It would be released already. But the very first Patreon episode. So it's available. The, the point is the very first Patreon episode is available. So that will be from $5 and up, right? So it's from $5 upwards. Mm-hmm. You will be able, firstly, early access Two episodes as well as extra content that will be available. Yeah. So become a basic bitch. Uh, not a basic bitch. Uh, you can uh, become a basic bitch, but become a balanced, balanced bitch. bitch. Yes. Or if you if you if you feel like uh, being more supportive, there is also the brave bitch, which is the ten dollar, and then there's the bazinga bitch, which is the twenty dollar, which is the twenty dollar. So we will be we still working on extra content for our Patreon mm-hmm. to make it a bit more exclusive. Um, we will try and release at least three to two episodes extra content every month. Mm-hmm. So we will be having. Basic Bitch Corner, mm-hmm. which is basically just a podcast exclusive for the Patreon that we will be talking about random, random shit. It's, it's literally just it's a, bitch, a bitch corner. A bitch corner. We will just be ranting and talking. Mm-hmm. So if you like mm-hmm. things like that, please stay tuned. And we will also be doing our Scary Bitch podcast, yes. which is also exclusive to Patreon, which is going to be about scary stories, real life scary events, anything revolving being scared little bitches. <laughs> so actually, if you have a story that you would like to share with us and we like it, we will actually share it on, on the, the podcast. Yes. So either email it to us at zombiechickenspodcast at gmail.com. That's not very difficult to remember. Uh, or you can follow us on the social medias, which is also Zombie Chickens Podcast, and it message comments us there. And message the well, us or the us or message or comments, and we'll get back to it. Uh, also, we will be starting to link our email address to our episodes as well as on our social medias. So if you do want to submit a story mm. or anything, communicate with us you will be able to do it through that email address. Mm. But yeah. So that's that. That's Cheers that. for years. Cheers for years.